podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Yeah, and? <laughs> oh, you stitched me right up there. <laughs> well, you, you seriously weren't expecting a hooray, were you? Sure? I, was, no, I was expecting a, a sort of low, a low, low way. You know, one of your low was, energy ones. It was so low you couldn't hear it. It's subliminal. Good. Well, that set the tone for what's going to be a fantastic episode this week. Uh, Kevin Day is with us. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you how you are, because I know what the answer is going to be to that. Well, in, in terms of life, I'm fine. In terms of the shabby, shabby football team I support, I'm momentarily downbeat. <laughs> momentarily downbeat is the name of this week's episode. Uh, James Endicott, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm bereft. <laughs> bereft okay good well let's find out then what adjective uh the returning no. dom fifield <laughs> is going to use to describe how he's feeling oh, no. at the moment um how am i feeling numb <laughs> mm. i'll take Very that good. i think that's fair um right of course we're talking about palace's 2-0 defeat to aston villa um and lots of other things <sighs> Alongside that, before we do that, can I get a drum roll, please, for a shout-out to a random patron? It's Mr. Ollie Rice. Hey, Ollie. Hey, Ricey. And Ollie is one of our patrons. You can join our patron and get all the rewards that entails at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Kevin, do yes. you remember when our friend of the pod, Matt Buckland, simulated a couple of palace scenarios... Yes. And we asked him, would he possibly be able to simulate what would have happened if Frank de Boer had not been sacked? Yes. Champions are League you, final in two weeks' time. Yeah. Are you ready for the results? And just a yeah. little, little spoiler, it's not Champions yeah. League final in two weeks' time. Here uh, we okay. go. So Matt ran that game from the start of the 2017-2018 season. Uh, he wasn't able to start from when Frank was sacked. So we got the first few games. We actually beat Huddersfield, first game of the season. So that's cool. an improvement. Then... Much like before, we went on a three-game losing bounce. In fact, we didn't win again for 12 games, uh, which weirdly was Stoke at home in November when we won 2-1, which is the exact same scoreline we beat Stoke that season. Uh, unfortunately, Frank uh, couldn't follow up with um, another win until the middle of December, which left us halfway through the season 
16th in the table with three wins. So not looking good for Frank. In December, though, at the end, crazily, we beat Man City at home 2-1. Wow. It was a good game, actually. I remember it well. It was decent, yeah. End-to-end. So fourth (laughs) win of the season in January. Frank starts to get some transfers done. He, he sends out Papsuari to West Brom, Punch to West Ham, and Damo back to Ipswich, which I can't imagine he'd have wanted to do. <laughs> and we brought in Andy King from Leicester for £9 million, Callum Chambers from Arsenal for £7 million, and then Martin Ziegler from Watford for two and a half. never heard of him, and Diogo Verdassa from Zaragoza. And you know what? what? On the pitch, results... Did not improve. We did not win a game uh, in January. Apart from in the Cup, we got to the uh, fifth round of the FA Cup. Into February, two winnable games. Newcastle at home. Everton away, maybe not so winnable. Newcastle, one all draw. Everton, 3-0 defeat. And at 5.52pm, Kevin, on the day of that Everton game, 11th of February. Do you know what happened? Uh, Was there a confused podcast listener wondering what on earth we're doing talking about a fictional Frank de Boer scenario? Yes, in the fictional world of FYP. Was was he sacked? He was sacked as Crystal Palace manager, so lasting until middle of February. The names linked to replace him were... Well, that's getting even more metafictional now. It's one thing running the results for everything. Also, also, how come in this modelling thing, one of the only results we knew was that we actually did lose to Huddersfield. So how can we beat them in this fictional scenario? This is what happens in fictional worlds, Kevin. Anything can happen. Yeah, while we're enjoying ourselves in Narnia, when are we actually going to talk about the real world? We will. I just want to enjoy this while we still can. Well, we've just enjoyed a fictional manager being sacked in a... a, (laughs) In an alternative universe, what's how is that enjoyable? Maybe we should just do the whole podcast on that. Actually, probably better than than real life. Let me just take you quickly take the end of the season. The managers linked were Sean Dyche, Andre Villas Boas, Patrick Vieira, and Stefano Colantuno, whoever that is. Do you know who actually got the job? Steve Couple, (laughs) Ray Lewington. Dougie Friedman was placed in temporary charge. I'll see you next week's (laughs) podcast. Because if uh, he, you now tell me that he kept us up, I'm not doing this pod again ever. If fictional he, Dougie Freeman kept us up, went out and bought some, <laughs> got a special transfer window dispensation from the Pope and bought some <laughs> players and kept us up, then I'm out of here. He had four games in charge. He won one of them in the league against Spurs, 3-0 at home. He also yeah. won, actually, in the FA Cup against Huddersfield. But then on the 5th of March, Palace announced their actual manager with Freeman going back to sporting director, and it was Andre Villas-Boas. And he did not win a game for his first six games in charge. Then he. I'm not surprised with a surly Doogie Freeman staring at him (laughs) because he'd taken his fictional job. Into April, we beat Bournemouth and Brighton. Uh, Then we lost to Watford and Leicester. Meaning, last two games of the season against Stoke and against West Brom, we had to get at least a win in one of them. We went to Stoke and we lost one nil. We then played West Brom at home. Swansea drew which meant that a win would keep us up. And the final score was Crystal Palace 1, West Bromwich Albion 1. So Palace were relegated on the last day of the season. How was it supposed to cheer us up, JD? I don't know, because we, want, I don't, we wanted to see what would happen. If, do you know what? It, it hasn't what's, cheered anyone what's, up, what's, it? What's that not conclusive evidence that Roy's the right man? Because he yeah. didn't take us down. Yeah, thank you, Dom. It is, and that's been this week's podcast. So thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be with you again next week. Okay, well, that was a bit of 
by fun. I use the word fun in Luce's term. Um, I've put that on the website for anyone who wants to go and look at all the actual results and stuff. Let's right. talk about the Villa game. The <laughs> actual not... result. What do you mean the actual? They're not actual results, are they? They are now. We're going on to real life now. That took oh, a lot longer than I thought it was gonna. It was gonna do. To be honest, you must have realised that. You must have realised that would be getting interrupted on a regular basis by three blokes wanting to talk about what's actually happened. You don't actually want to talk about what's happened, surely, because it was obviously a two-nil defeat, Kevin, at um, at Villa Park. A very, very disappointing display, and not just that a disappointing display from Palace, which it was. There was controversial decisions all over the place, starting with. The Sacco handball, and I use handball in, in quote marks, which hit him on the shoulder. Just we, we had a question from Carl, Carl Mortimer, our social guy. He says, How can they judge offside by a shoulder and then not give a goal with a shoulder? Just, I mean, talk us through your, your thought process at that it, point. It, it, I'm, I'm, th- we keep hearing there are new guidelines next year for why, where the hand stops and the shoulder starts. I mean, that was, it was definitely a goal. There's no doubt about it. VAR hasn't had a brilliant couple of weeks, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, it saw through Grealish, which is fine. But, yeah, we weren't well served by VAR or by Atkinson yesterday. He he allowed them to get away with the terrible rotational fouling on Wilf. Uh, Luis probably should have been sent off halfway through the second half for about his eighth yellow card. But we could talk about that all day. But it doesn't... The refereeing decisions don't distract from what was... An atrocious performance on the pitch. There's no, you know, even even now, I'm sure Selzy would will argue that if that goal had, been, had stood, we would have gone on and win, won that game five 0 and we'd all be hailing Roy as a genius. You can only deal with what we saw unfold in front of us. There was no reaction at half time. There was there was it was it was worse than the last game. And the worst, if I was Steve Parrish, what I'd be really worried about is the apathy of fans because. I thought there would be fury yesterday, but most Palace fans, my WhatsApp group, there's 20 of us, and basically the response was, I don't care anymore. I just want the season to finish. I think of the 20, only two of us were still watching the game at the end. And that's, I think that's a that's a worse response in some ways than, than anger, because you couldn't get angry about that, because it was... I think Wardy came out of it with a little bit of credit, Benteke possibly, and he was clearly frustrated at the end, having to feed on scraps all afternoon, but it was just... It it was it was woeful. I mean, there's no there are no positives for it. It was just, and to be perfectly honest, this time yesterday, I, I didn't think there was any point in tweeting it because it would just cause a row. But at this time yesterday, I was, would have been happy for Roy to have walked or sacked or been sacked. I mean, I mean, I meant then, not I meant to get somebody in before we lose another three games. I'm not entirely sure I feel that now. I've had the night to think about it. But you know, if we if we go into the the end of the season having lost eight games in a row, there aren't many clubs that wouldn't be considering changing a man a manager off the back of that. And like I say, the most upsetting thing was the lack of response at half time. There was no nothing to indicate that they came were coming out to play in a different fashion or with more energy or more respect for the fans. Um, I do, we do have a lot of questions about Roy, as you'd imagine. I'm going to put them in part three so we can actually have a proper chat about that. But Enders, that, that sort of apathy that Kevin talks about, yeah. um, and he's absolutely right, that there, there did seem to be a sort of lack of in- intensity from the, the Palace players. Can we potentially put that down to the fact that we are now mathematically safe and it's the f- one of the few games towards the end of the season? I'm not excusing the players. There's no excuse for you know not turning up and, and all this talk of being on the beach, but the season is over. Well, it is now. Um, no, it's... Uh, you Look... When we played Chelsea, we lost, but we had a buoyant pod. And yeah. I think most, most yeah. Palace fans felt really good about what happened. We'd lost. Yeah. And it was, you know, but there was a performance. We played well. You know, we could have nicked a point at the end of the game. 
Yesterday there was nothing. There was nothing. And you, you, you can't blame the fact there's nothing to play for because we have nothing to play for against Chelsea either. Now, is it the thing that we just played better against better teams? I don't know. I didn't think Aston Villa were that good at all. They're not a good team. They'll probably go down, which makes it even worse. The fact that Chelsea lost to Sheffield yesterday as well. All these results are just all, all over the place. But as Kev says, you can mask it all. You can talk about this. You can talk about that. The bottom line is it was one of the worst performances I've seen for many a year on the back of some really bad performances, Chelsea notwithstanding. And it was just... Um, and it was just apathy. I was, I was bored at the end. I was bored. I was bored of watching the game. And I couldn't be bothered to get onto Twitter. I couldn't be... And, you know, it was, it was the apathy that Kev's talking about. And it's the perfect word. It was apathy from maybe the players. And certainly apathy from me and probably a lot of supporters as well. It was just, it was just disappointing. It just fizzled. It was nothing. It was just a nothing game. Yeah. So we have had a question on that as well from, from someone who calls himself Dizzy Hendro. And, uh, they said the laziness in defending and individual errors. Can you put that down to end of season syndrome or something more ingrained? And, and Dom, I did notice with both goals. For me, it was PVA who seemed to be particularly at fault for both goals. So he was sort of marking no one when the free kick came in for the first one. It was probably his man, I guess, at the back post. I guess being left back is probably your man coming around the back. And then for the second goal, he gets dragged out to a header almost centre of the park and then Trezeguet is allowed in again sort of down the left can we, can we have any answer to Dizzy Hendro's question here about end of season syndrome or something more ingrained or just individual errors that Roy has said in the last few weeks he can't do much about it's all coming together at the wrong time isn't it for Palace uh, the time could be wronger yeah. we could have had this eight game again an eight game losing streak at the beginning of the season or the middle of the season when we were embarking on a four-match winning streak, I mean, we at least we're doing this once we're safe. Um, there is an end-of-season feel to it all. I, I said last week that there's an alien. None of these none of these occasions feel like football matches when you're there, and it, it it will be affecting the players. But some players are more motivated than others because their futures are on the line, their club's futures are on the line, and they've got European qualification to go for. And it just so happens that every single match that Palace have played in this nine-game stretch, bar Burnley. Is against a team with something to play for, and Palace just after the Liverpool game really didn't. Um, well, certainly after the Burnley game, we really didn't. I think mental fatigue's probably crept in as well, and I, and I know we'll come on to the whole why don't we chop and change a bit more and bring in more players to to freshen things up. Um, and my answer will probably be that we don't have those players. And alternatively, had he played Readabout on, had he started with Readabout instead of say Luca? at Villa Park, and we've been beaten, would we turn around and say, well, hold on a second, we played quite well against Chelsea. Why have we changed a, a team that actually yeah. done reasonably well? So I, I, and I don't think he's got... I mean, I'm looking at, the, looking at that team now, and I actually think that even Aston Villa, whose who's pla- who's players, bar Grealish, are, are not as good as our players, but they've got similar players to their first 11 on the bench. They've, probably, they've got nine players there, all of whom are interchangeable with any of the 11. I don't think we've got that. I look at our 11 and maybe there are, there are three or four that you could put in from the bench, but the rest of them are not up to it yet. But um, Tom, there's, there's no excuse, Tom, for going 2-0 down and bringing a defensive midfield player, player on then when you have got 
Uh, you have got some attacking options. Also, on PVA, a friend of mine, Mark Aegis, who loves the pod, for weeks has been saying, start Mitchell at left back and put PVA left side, because PVA doesn't yeah. look like he wants to defend at the moment. Yeah. And if you let, let give Mitchell some game time, yeah. PVA wants to go forward, but also he'd cover for Mitchell and be a bit of experience here. And, but that's not the sort of out-of-the-box thinking that Roy indulges in, is it? And we can see that when we're 2-0 down and he, has, he doesn't look to bring a... A, a forward but then, player, but Kev, yeah. if, if, I, I agree with you that definitely Mitchell should be getting game time, and, and I really hope that in the next three games that he does. But so you're saying PVA push forward? Well, Wilfred Zaha was playing left sided for Palace um, for a period when Ayew yeah. was in the centre, and then when Benteke came back into the team, Jordan Ayew was playing left side. So, so you're saying play PVA on the left side of the front three, but drop your leading scorer. I, I don't know. I mean, is that is that the argument? I mean, well, not really, because we got we've got space to move to. You know, there's a big Benteke sized hole now where you can move. Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely into, no, no, so, you're yeah. right now, but then you've got. Yeah. How do you keep? Do you want to keep Townsend happy? Do you want? I mean, presumably Townsend now thinks he's got into the team. I mean, Townsend must must expect to start on Thursday night. You'd imagine. I'm, I'm more intent on keeping Palace fans happy, Don. To be perfectly honest, you know, the, the the bigger a squad you've got, the more likely you are to have unhappy players. And I think one of the problems at the moment is. That there are thirteen players, eleven of whom are guaranteed to start, basically because of Roy's mm. mentality, and that breeds a complacency, which is what you saw yesterday. They, we've got a squad of aging players who know they haven't got people snapping at their heels to take their place, and that's what happens when that, that part of the, yesterday was a result of that. I'm sure it is. I'm Enders. I wonder. Sorry, Tom. I, I do wonder if if we'd been playing these games week by week, if the season hadn't been stopped, we were playing a normal season. Yeah, how different our results would be because we probably have the least well-equipped squad for quote-unquote tournament football, which is what yeah. the last few weeks of the season yeah. have yeah. become. Yeah. We can, we, you can visibly see the players are struggling out there. James MacArthur's looked knackered for the last two games. You, you can see. Yeah. That we said last week that you know football is all Jedi. Football's all about momentum. We talk about this all the time. We went into the into the break on a. A run of four unbeaten games, you know, mm. and we were looking useful, looking all right. But it's all about we we had that momentum, and and these games. We, I'm not saying we would have won all these games. We certainly would not have been as as useless of, as we have been. But it still doesn't mask the fact that there's so deep lying problems in this squad, or the lack of the squad, and the age of it, and also, and I think as Kev pointed out rightly at the beginning, nothing at half time when there's a chance to turn things around, to make some changes, to get some impetus. There was nothing. I mean, you were playing a team who were desperate to win. So there's bound to be holes, bound to be holes somewhere to, to, to use and to exploit. That team had to win, Villa. There's, mm. There was no question. They couldn't draw or lose. They had mm. to win. And even then, they might not stay up. But because of that, we, we didn't expose them. We, we, we didn't expose the fact that they were trying to come forward all the time and trying to beat us. We just like, sat, I don't know, it was just... There just didn't seem to be any plan there at all. It's just very, it was very weak, and it was, and, and I felt it was a lack of leadership. I thought Luke had a shocker. Mm. I thought his, his passing. I thought all the passing from the midfield was appalling. It just, I mean, there were balls going out all the time, and it's, I just think there was a real lack of leadership. And on the day that one of our greatest leaders announced his retirement, you know, what I mean, on the on the day after, it's just a shame that there was no leaders on the pitch and nobody to just grab that team by the scuff of the neck because he because he wasn't coming from the bench. It wasn't coming from the management, so it's had to come from somebody on the pitch, and nobody was up for the task. Hmm. And there's got to be a there's got to be a reason for that, and I don't know what it is. Can, can we can we use the excuse, Dom? I say excuse the reasoning that these ty- these players are physically and mentally drained 
from last Not few weeks. Not as fancy trade as we are, JD. <laughs> <laughs> that, will, that will come into it, definitely. It's not, it shouldn't be an excuse. But as you said... We we have got the our squad is not equipped for this. Yeah. Our squad is not equipped for nine games in six and a half weeks against this caliber of opponent as well. Um, and that well, Villa, I mean Villa are not this caliber of opponent. Villa no, no, they, won't, since, no, no, they no. haven't won since January. You but know then I mean? you're they... playing. No, you're you're right. And but Villa are desperate. Um, we should have, look. We, I said I sat here the other day and said that we'd beat Villa. I, I was convinced that we would Sorry, win yeah. that game. Absolutely convinced that we'd do it. And. But that performance yesterday was not the same in any way as the performance against Chelsea. The, the performance against Chelsea, there was a Christmas to the party, and they did push you know, play the ball forward. And and, and Milivojevic was in the, the heart of that against against Villa. He was he was quelled from the moment the goal was disallowed. They they, mm. they didn't pose a threat. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it was dispiriting. But I, I still, there is a there is an element of. Of mental fatigue and, and physical fatigue. I mean, I, I take, I, I disagree slightly on the Joel, Joel Ward thing. I love Joel Ward, and I think he's brilliant. And and but just look at look at where Villa were hurting us most, and it was actually from Grealish pushing off down the left, where the the images on, when they replayed the match of the day is always Grealish getting to the byline, and poor Joel is is running through treacle trying to pack, pick him up and trying to get back in, in into position, and it's, it wasn't feasible because these guys are shattered and and you know the fact that we're reliant upon Joel Ward as a right back mm. um throughout this entire season despite the fact we sold a 50, 50 million pound right back last summer i think that's indicative of of proper problems in terms of that's that is where the problem lies it's mm. it's yeah. a squad depth problem it was always going to catch up with us up with us at some point it has caught up with us now in the most alien of situations and i do think it's a it's a still it's a bit of a minor miracle that Palace are able to go endure all this at the moment with their Premier League safety assured, mm. because quite frankly, they have no right to think that they, they have no right to have survived as comfortably as they have this season. The only reason they have is because of the person that seems to be bearing the brunt of all the criticism at the moment, and that's Roy Hodgson, mm. because yeah. they haven't given him the tools of work to work. And, I know, yeah. and now I'm going to start saying like sales. Sorry. But <laughs> that, no, no, it's a fair, it's a fair well, argument. Well, it's trying to get through, yeah. But you're absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a deeper problem, and you do have to judge the season as a whole when it's over. And it is a miracle we're considering we've only Norwich scored fewer goals than us, and that's yeah. a testament to to the organisation. But you, you know, you you have to judge on what what you see week in week out. And my point is, that any other club would be if we do lose the next three games, it's going to make recruitment much more difficult. Speaker, I mean Ferguson. If we get Ferguson, as everyone seems to think we will, can he play right back and left back, Dom? Yeah, but he's primarily in a right the same back. game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's that quick. <laughs> but, so, so he would be at least one youthful option. Uh, right, yeah, I, I, as far as I know, and I'm not. I've sat here ahead of transfer windows so many times in the past, and the noises I get told are that they are, they are pursuing a certain type of player, and they they will all bring down the average age and the average wage of the club. But there's a difference between pursuing them and targeting them and, and sounding them out and getting good sure. and actually signing the, the, the players. I mean that that is. We shouldn't also worry too much about the whole length of time thing. It sounds as if the transfer window is going to be elongated. It's going to go beyond the start of next season, yeah. possibly into October. I mean, we're talking mid-October potentially. So it's going to be a bit like the old days, where players could easily play for two clubs in one season. And and it's, but but don't get me wrong that that 
that is where the the, the, the immediate future of, of Crystal Palace Football Club is going to be played out. They have to be successful in the market. They have to bring in... Palace have got 21 player, senior players in their, in their 25-man senior squad at the moment. I'd look, I mean, people always say, oh, look at Burnley, how well they're doing. Burnley have got 24 senior players, and McNeil doesn't count as senior. He's actually 20, he's one of the, the, the sort of B-list mm. coming through. So Burnley are competing at the moment. They may not, look, some of the, the calibre of the player might be different, but they're competing with 25, effectively, first-team players. Yeah. Palace haven't got that. Palace have not got that. The, the, the only guys in the in the B list who have had any minutes on the pitch are, are Mitchell and, and Pierrick, and there's a reason why they've only had a few minutes. Um, they they can't go into next season with this lack of depth. They 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 have to add to the ranks. They have to they have to have they have to give him the tools which to operate and to work. And if it's not him, it's not as if the new manager if they if they made a managerial change, it's not as if the new manager is going to put up with it either. He's not going to perform miracles either. It's, it, you get what you you always get what you pay for in this division and, and mm. Palace probably are the 14th best team in the division at the moment. My, my worry, um, Kevin, with uh, people talking about Mitchell and Pierrick getting game time and, and it would be good to see them feature is that I think there's a bit of an expectation now that they will come in and will somehow be different or they'll come in and perform. The ideal scenario for youth team players is when the team's playing well and there's an environment of winning games and it's relaxed and fun. This is not an environment to throw young players in and expect much from them. So I think it's almost worse if they then start getting game time and lose the next three games and everyone's but it, like... But it, yeah, but when, you know, when do you play youngsters? In? I mean, after the Bournemouth game, you could say, well, that's it. We're technically, we're definitely safe. We're relaxed and happy. Let's put them in then. I, I, I agree, but they're, they're there as options, you know, and if... It, we're 2-0 down away from home against a poor team. If we get the next goal, th- then we probably equalise and win the game. So bring somebody on with a bit of pace who's going to give them something more to think about. Give somebody on who's, who's going to make them drop deeper because they negated Wilf yet again as it seems to be easier and easier every week. Yeah, and it's interesting when you talk about we do better against... Uh, better teams uh, apart from Liverpool we've got the best record against teams in the in the bottom 10 this season mm. this season for, oh, really? for, yeah this season for the first time ever it's only Liverpool that have won more points against bottom team teams than us okay. so that perception that we only we only lift our game against good teams isn't necessarily true and as Dom says we are potentially 14th we are probably the 14th best team in the Premier League but we're spiralling away from that and every as I say every season you can't keep swirling around the plug hole without one day being dragged down to it and if you've got a different option on the bench no because no Pirrit can come on it's a no-lose situation for Pirrit yesterday no one's expecting him to to turn the game but it, it gives him a bit of experience he came on against Norwich on New Year's Day and and caused the equaliser with a, mm. a little accidental run on a pass through just give him you know you, if you don't play them under some circumstances then you find an excuse to not to not play them under any yeah, circumstances yeah. essentially and it's like there never will be a glorious time when Palace are romping away with it and it's right. now, now it's time to play the kids and like we've said every week there are some Premier League managers who simply don't think the academy at any level is a good enough learning place for, for youngsters to come through you know you've still got managers like Hodgson and, and Pulis as we had and Allardyce who want reserve teams, who don't think that a, a, an under-23 player is ready to, physically ready to play football. And I, I suspect that Roy's veer, veers more towards that mentality than towards let the kids have a go mentality. It is, it is worth pointing out that, I mean, and I know this is 
context, whatever. But there is a there is also the whole mid table thing, you know, where 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 you your season is petering out effectively, and it's happened to Watford in previous years where they've ended yeah. dreadfully once they've secured safety effectively. But you can even argue that I mean. Read Seamus Coleman's comments post-match yesterday as, as Everton get trounced at Wolves, and he's he's questioning the, the players' commitment and put, putting himself in there as well. And if if Everton's captain is doing that, and they're what two points ahead of Palace, I think, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, it's it's just this is so this is such a surreal time in terms of the ratatata games. There's no preparation time in between, which incidentally might be another reason why a manager might be slightly reluctant to to chuck a kid in from the start at least because he wouldn't have had much time to actually oh, yeah. practice within shape at, yeah. at Beckenham. Yeah, yeah. um, it's, 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 I think, so, it, I think the Everton point's a good one, Dominic, because they've said, I think they've, they've since, since Chantiri came in the new owner, they spent 430 million quid, I think <laughs> on players to be two points ahead of us. So if, if you're a, a Roy supporter, which we are, most of us are at heart Roy supporters. We just want, we want something unblocked, basically, whether it's a transfer market or his mentality. We are basically Roy supporters. But, yeah, that's a lot of money to spend to be only two points ahead of us. Most Tottenham fans I know before yesterday genuinely don't want Mourinho to be their manager next season because they're languishing mid-table, basically, with a squad that's worth five times more than us. So I think we all accept that Roy probably has done a miracle keep him up but that you know he can't keep doing that with one arm tied behind his back so you either get more players in or you get somebody else yeah. and see how they get on with one but arm tied behind their back the answer yeah. has to be the players it has to be yes, the players because whoever comes yeah. in is going to need more players i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah. we can't get away from the 30 you know average age of 30 we can't get away from only 21 senior players in the in the in the first team squad we have to they have to provide whoever is in charge with strength and depth well absolutely i mean those those players are only going to get older, which obviously is what happens with people aging. Um, <laughs> of, can we end part one quickly? Because yeah. in part two, we are going to talk about another option. You're really good, JD. You're good at the this. Bench. I just like to give people information, James. Um, no, that's good. Thank you. We are going to talk about a certain player in the squad who doesn't get used in part two with our athletic article. But just end us quickly. The, the Grealish penalty incident yesterday yeah. and I use incident in the loosest form Stephen Sheffield one of our listeners has said Hi, Steve. how did the sniper get into Villa Park <laughs> <laughs> and then a genuinely good question why wasn't Grealish booked for diving and if, that, no and if that was Wilf it would have been headline news everywhere but not even mentioned yeah. on match of the day I mean it was when you see the replays it's a, it's a ludicrous fall yeah. he actually stands on PVA's foot and then falls yeah. over it's, it, it wasn't even mentioned in the Commentary. I was watching it on Sky, and they 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 hardly even mentioned it. And again, if it had been Wilf, he would have. You know, but the thing is, Wilf's Wilf's got a reputation, but Grealish hasn't. Yet Grealish has been fouled the most time, but more than anybody else in the Premier League. But that was just that was just him. You know what that was? That was just a player desperate to win the game because he wants his club to survive, and he will do anything to do it. And it was pathetic, and it was laughable. But in a sense, you know what? In a sense, you don't blame the guy for doing it because he he wants to get a penalty. He wants his club to win. He he, ha, he had some desire and some passion. You didn't see that from our players. Also, I am, I am not defending Grealish. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not defending, but I can understand why he did it. He's also a player that's seen what, what Fernandez did to Villa in midweek, which was exactly the same. Yes. Yes. Get the penalty. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because I mean, VR. I, I thought it was astonishing, Dominic, that the, the PGMOL came out and apologised for all three 
VAR decisions yeah. on Wednesday for them to actually publicly acknowledge that they got those things wrong. Yeah. There's, there's, VAR is not fit for purpose anyway, and I don't know whether it's a, it's a different. I don't know whether it's the people operating it or the system itself. But I mean that decision. Yes, then an experienced referee like Martin Atkinson should have been looking at that. And it's, I, I just, I mean, it's infuriating, but it's, it's, it doesn't change. It's not, it's not as big a sliding door moment as Frank De Boer actually keeping his job in a computer <laughs> program, which is a much bigger sliding door moment. But who knows? Maybe, maybe Matt could, maybe Matt could run that through. What would happen yeah. if if that goal was allowed to stand? What would have happened oh. now for the rest of? I no. forgot to say he's going to do another one for us, and it's one of your requests. It's what would happen if AFC Crystal Palace were formed in the summer of 2010. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so we will get an update on that when he's running for like 50 years or something. That's going to take ages though, because we've got 12 divisions to get through until we get to the Premier League. Yeah, so we'll get that update probably next year at some point, but we will <laughs> let you know. Anyway, look, let's take a break there. Interesting debate there, ch- chaps, and lots to talk about. After the break, we've got an article from The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Okay, we're getting there with the ways. Um, Part two is where we read an article from The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace, subscription-based website and app, completely ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. This week's article, Kevin, I can't believe we didn't mention this player's name in part one, we're talking about uh, squad rotation and options, is about... Maximilian Meyer and it's by Matt Wisdom and it's called Meyer's Time at Palace can I, t- can I tell you why we didn't mention it it's because you asked us not to mention it because we were talking about yeah. it in part two <laughs> stop ruining the magic of broadcasting Kevin. it's like smoke and mirrors come on we've got to play along with it um, it's called I knew you were going to do that it's called um, Meyer's Time at Palace looks to be over and it was actually written um, after the Leicester City game yeah. uh, but to be honest it's as apt now um, as ever, and, and Matt talks about uh, Myers' minutes on the pitch and uh, the examples of him not getting picked. And I'm going to pick out a, a paragraph here. Where he says, "There's a reason he's not used. He does not fit the system properly. There is no room in this functional team for a so-called luxury player. Kabai and Loftus Cheek were both better defensively than Meyer. Again, it will be argued he's not had sufficient playing time in that central position to prove his worth. But when he has been presented with that opportunity, he has not grasped it." We, we talked about, um, in the first half, Kevin, options and Roy not using them. But is it simply a fact that, actually, what has to change is not just the players on the on the bench and in the squad, but Roy's system as well? Because I think Matt does make a good point. A player like Meyer, a slight, tricky player, a Johnny Williams-esque, if you will, doesn't actually fit into the way we play. But the, the Meyer situation perfectly sums up the themes that we were talking about in in part one first of all recruitment which is this is a player that was highly rated across Europe especially by himself but why 
<coughs> why did we bring a player in that so clearly wasn't going to fit in? Why did we bring Camarasa in when he so clearly wasn't going to fit in? And also, if we have got good youngsters, and it seems that we probably have only got two, if the squad's so small, why is he even on the bench still? If, he, if Roy doesn't trust him and he clearly doesn't believe what he sees in training... It, and he's a luck. I don't understand why. Just put a kid on the bench, put somebody else on the bench, and bring them on. If you're clearly not going to use him, or you're, you're going to use him in inappropriate situations, or you're going to use him in a in a system that he's not suited for, I don't understand why we even have the poor sod on the bench. To be perfectly honest, because he's clearly a, he's a decent footballer. There's no doubt he's a decent footballer, but he's just playing in a team where that football's not. Needed or, or or wanted or exploited, you know. I mean, he's. I imagine he's grown up having teams being built around him as a youngster because he was that. You know, his his potential when he was a kid, he had such a good reputation, and now here he is a long way from home, wondering why he's, you know, having to sit there while Riedeval goes on ahead of him. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, and and I understand when people say, well, he doesn't do anything when he comes on, and he didn't do much when he started in the. Coca-Cola Cup game or whatever but you know it seems to me that we're wasting a a useful player as far as I can see Um, yeah that actually flags up quite an interesting point that I've wondered about for a while Dom which is we talk about recruitment and how Palace have to obviously get get better at it but if we are signing players like Myron Camarasa which it looks from the outside that Roy doesn't fancy that there must be some sort of clash here at some point with the recruitment process. Where we're, why, why are we buying players that Roy doesn't? Surely he gets the last say or a say on the players that come in. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know what to say. It is, it is a good point. I mean, it's, Max Meyer is five foot five. Um, I'd, I'd argue that that would have been pretty evident when they signed him. <laughs> maybe he might not have been built for the Premier League even then. Um, and if you're not going to play a number 10, if that's his preferred position, and that is where he's... I mean, I'm not sure that he's, that's where necessarily where he played at Schalke. I, I don't know, but I think he might have played on the, the left of a three at Schalke occasionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose I looked at Mayer and thought it was a free transfer. If he does half... If he does okay, if he just does okay, you can, you'll sell him on at a profit if, you, if, there's, you know, if he generates any kind of interest. So it was a bit of a no-risk a no risk one, that one. But I agree with you on the... You have to you have to set and and they I think they they're getting there slowly but you have to decide what the structure of your club is you're going to have a head coach you're going to have a sporting director who and a recruitment department who works and reports to the sporting director and they buy the players and if you're going to do that they have to stick to their guns and buy players that they want to buy that are the right age for the club that fit the wage structure of the club that plan ahead, that there is, there's a philosophy in terms of the recruitment and what type of player you're bringing in. And you do that, you stick to it. And then the co- head coach, who inevitably there will be a dialogue with him during the whole recruitment process, there has to be. And if, if he's vehemently against someone, then you, 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 can, you can be dissuaded against pursuing that signing. But, but then the head coach works with those players. And so if you, if you follow that if you follow those rules, they should never really get to the stage where you've got a squad that is all over 30. I mean, because you're always planning ahead. You're, you're always bringing the next generation through and having them at the club so that they're ready to, fingers crossed, step in. They can start on the bench. They can be, you know, integrated into the, into the team. That is, if, that is, if that is what Palace are trying to do, which I think they, it is what they're trying to do now, then 
we shouldn't really be in this position where we have an average age of 30. Tom, further on in that article, which is a really good article by Matt, he he writes about the fact that we were, before Madison went to Leicester, we were were offered him, offered him by by Coventry. The guy who got in touch had a relationship with Palace and Steve Parrish. He said, we've got this really good youngster. And Palace said, no, fine, we're we're going for Adam Ola-Lukman, we'll get him which we didn't, and we didn't get Madison. So it's like when you're being offered a player, and of course I know it's impossible to tell that someone's going to develop into yeah. a really good player, but then you think, well, maybe Madison wouldn't be the sort of player that, that Roy wants, because Roy's midfield choices are all identical. We've got you know, MacArthur mm. and McCarthy, they're the same player. Milivojevic and Kriati, they're the, essentially they're the, they're the same player. And you, you wonder, you worry, whether that's what we're going to get in again this summer, that, you know, maybe we'll get Ferguson as a, as a, as a fullback, and that would be great. But you can't imagine Palace suddenly spending thirty million quid on a someone like Tom Davis at Everton who can go box to box and is also creative. Well, I don't know about Davis. I mean, I think some people would would argue that his career isn't isn't maybe taking off in the way that they hoped. Or read at Fulham, but, you know. yeah, yeah. But Madison cost twenty two and a half million pounds. Bought from from Coventry City, who oh sorry from Norwich yeah, City, no, one yeah. good season at Norwich, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty two and a half million pounds. I mean that again. We I go back to that meeting that at the sport, supporters trust towards the end of last year, where where Roy sat on the top table and was people were firing questions saying, why aren't we going to buy buy the best players in the championship? Why aren't we going to buy? Well, I think Ollie Watkins' name came up yeah. that night as well. The reality is. If you're paying twenty-two and a half million pounds for a player at the championship, he's had one good season. You're taking a risk. Mm. I don't know. I don't know whether Palace had twenty-two and a half million pounds to to have a, take a risk on. If you look at the, you look at actually the people they've brought in in the last five windows: Serloth, Rakip, Yuck, Cavallari. Nothing spent there. Geiter, Mike Meyer, um, Sacco resigned. Batshuayi loan, Ayu loan, Kiate nine million pounds. So you still again, you're nowhere near the twenty-two and a half million pounds mm. for one championship player there. Cahill, McCarthy, IU Banks. Now I reckon Cahill, McCarthy, and IU probably cost two and a half million pounds combined. So that's not the market that Palace yeah, have been operating yeah, yeah. in, going in, getting a twenty-two and a half million pound player from the Championship. And that's, you know, that's to their. I bet that's to their regret. They'd love to have been doing that, but if they can't get the funds to do it, can't get the funds to do it. But we have got, maybe we, they we, can we, now. They're in a better position now than they were yeah, then. Well, we've just got the second part of the the Wan-Bissaka money, so yeah. technically that's forty five million quid. Yeah, the the broadcasting Sky and B, uh, BT are about to pay up next season's broadcasting money, limited though it may well be, because they want teams to buy players in this transfer window to make the competition more exciting. So that there will be money to spend, mm. and for and from what we gather through another pod. Uh, yeah, we're doing we're reasonably well set financially. That you know, the wage bill still needs to come down, but we have got money to compete. But the trouble is as well, if you're if you're a kid in the championship, if Brentford don't go up, for example, they got three or four good players. The same at Fulham, and they're looking to see where they go. Do they particularly want to join a club with an aging squad that's just lost eight games in a row at the end of last season? Surely they, if they've got any sense about them, they'll look at it and think, well, I'll get into that team. That's and true, yeah, fair point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> and to be honest, yeah. our, we, we pay wages at Palace. We pay good wages. Mm. And, and, and you know, if Ollie Watkins, £18 million release clause if they don't go up, that that's... And, and, and you know, he, he'd have the option to stay if he wanted to. He could reject Palace. But is he likely to reject a club that might be offering him two or three times his yeah, wages? Yeah. Mm. I just, I mean, uh, Ender's 
one of our yeah. pod friends, Dr. John Curran. Um, has, hey, JC. Oh, sorry, Dr. JC now, of course. Dr. JC <laughs> has summed it up like this. He's put, is the Palace strategy on squad development A, clever, modern, uh, modern day, <laughs> short, medium and long-term planning or B, play your cards right with a few Brucey bonus <laughs> thrown in. Higher, higher, lower, lower. <laughs> it just, the mere fact that we sat here Still talking about Max Meyer, yeah, 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 is to me is the is the ultimate is is the bottom line problem with what is going on at our club. We we should be talking about Max Meyer. Max Max Meyer is we've known he's not been good enough for a long, long time. But because we're all nice fans, we're a nice, friendly club. We're giving him a bit of time here. We're giving him a bit of time there, and we're always hoping one day give him give him another season. Let's see what happens. No, no, you've got to be a little bit more cutthroat. We have to, and we are not cutthroat enough. We, we should have cut our ties with Max Meyer nine, nine months ago, maybe. And we should be looking to recruit in the windows. We, we've got to be a little bit more hardball about this. Wow. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, you know, we, we come across as a really friendly club. And we are, we're, and they do great things in the community. But maybe, and, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Maybe that's spreading out to the pitch a little bit. I mean, I know there's so many different problems, but we, we've, we've got to be a little bit more ruthless. And we're not being ruthless. And as Kevin, Kevin's nice analogy of the swimming pool, uh, sorry, the uh, plug hole, you know, next season, we could go down that plug hole. And have we got the money? But if we have the money, are we ruthless enough to get rid of some players and to bring others in and to bleed and to get players playing? I don't know. It's I don't know if that is... I just don't know if it's there. When the kindly old hippie says we need to be more ruthless, then <laughs> there, there, really are, there really are problems, aren't there? Well, you, you think, but, I know, I agree. Kevin, I agree. You know I, agree I, mean, you. I, 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 you know I tend to be one of those people like Benteke Mayer, who, oh, yeah, who still well. thinks... Surely they're better players than we're seeing. Surely the potential is there, and it's, it? and it's like I just, I just believe Mayer's reputation rather than what I'm seeing. I just, yeah. I just don't yeah. think he's ever had. Uh, you know, uh, we'll all agree on this. You can't. I don't think you can judge a player until he's played ten full games. Surely, can you? And this, this, this I, I, and I'm still fascinated by the idea of where Mayer wants to play because Roy, one of those supporters trust things again last year, Dom Roy categorically stated, much to the disbelief of everybody, that Mayer's favourite position was left side in a sort of defensive role. And it's like, well, try him there then. <laughs> If, why have you not seen him play in, in that sort of role? It's it's like well, well, at least give somebody, is, you know, because it's 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 really hard for footballers to come on and play half an hour here or start one every six games and, and then mm-hmm. make an impression. And it's it's almost like you sometimes wonder if that's how he's being managed. It's like they they trundle him on unprepared and go, well, look here, he's, he's not good enough. But it's like if, it's like Ender says, if he's not cutting it in training, then we should be cutting our losses and. and um, yeah, yes. but you can only you can only cut your losses if there's a six party. No, fair point. Yeah, absolutely. Look at, look at Everton yeah, again. Yeah. I keep going back to them, but they've got the most bloated squad yeah. in history because they've got people in there that are just yeah. they can't shift. Yeah, fair point. And, we, and it, I'm just on the ruthlessness. I mean, I'd imagine that West Bromwich Albion would consider us quite ruthless, given that we're we're stealing a 19 year old off yeah. them uh, for, yeah. for a fee of a, tri- a tribunal. Fingers crossed. So, I mean, I think they are getting there, um, and I, I suspect. You know, we 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 will hopefully, but if we recap in the end of September or October, more likely end of October once the windows close, I, I would imagine that we will have seen quite a few younger players join the club. Now, I, I don't know whether all of those younger players will be competing for 
first team places, but they they might they'll be in and around the first team squad. And if that's the case, and Max Meyer's still on the books, and and they've suddenly got a squad of twenty twenty five, um, even if they're twenty man match day squads next season, Max Meyer may not make mm. it. So there you go. That's that's yeah. them being ruthless. Well, I think that's a positive part to end. Uh, <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Amazing. In context. <laughs> In context. I'm I'm worried now. This is this is saying, Come on, come on. Yes, yes. Come, come on. on, come on. Let's crack on. <laughs> uh, I need to remind you, of course, if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FIP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. You can read that article by Matt and many more. After the break, we've got a lot of questions from our listeners. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fabi Pan Podcast. Yay, context. Context. Hey, yay. Positive context. <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm happy now. Uh, right, look, we've got a lot of questions. We've had, at the time of me putting the pod together, 88 questions from our listeners. Wow. Probably wow. over 100 by the time this pod goes out. So people are very much engaging. Most of the questions, Kevin, are about uh, a certain Roy Hodgson yeah. and his future. I'm going to read a couple for you now. It's the same in the FYP um, Patreon WhatsApp group. Big discussions about sort of what, where we go from here and, and, and what we do about Roy and whether his future is really here um, short term. So let's have a look. Um, me underscore 85 says, uh, do people really believe that Hodgson is still the right person for the job? Is it solely about staying in the Premier League or should it be some importance in the quality of football? But then Selhurst Exile says, says, who replaces Hodgson? And will they do any better with an ageing squad plus owners unwilling slash unable to bring in the players that need this style of uh, change of play? And then just finally, Sam Wigington has said, and I'm guessing this is the back of the Villa game yesterday, was this the straw that broke Roy Hodgson's back? I, I think I think this time yesterday, it's, it's now 20 to 5 on Monday. I think this time yesterday... I probably felt I was probably as as angry. It's sort of apathetic anger, basically. I was angry enough, but not to tweet about it. I, I thought yesterday it was time for Roy to go, and I, I genuinely thought yesterday, do it now, bring somebody else in for three games. My my instinct is he will still be manager next season. Uh, I I think it very much depends, as we've discussed on this pod, particularly Dom, whether he gets the money or the players that he wants. I think. But my instinct is that he will still be manager because uh, I think for Steve Parrish and a lot of older fans, staying in the Premier League, yes, it is enough, to be perfectly honest. And and if you'd offered us 20 years ago, eight seasons in a row, mid-table in the Premier League, you'd go, yeah, that's, that's, that's great because we've seen with clubs like Charlton what happens when you gamble the farm on getting into, in, into mm. Europe. As for a replacement, I mean, you like to think there, there is long-term planning going on. I, I've... 
I've been particularly impressed with. I keep forgetting the name of the guy at Brentford, but also watching the way Fulham play recently. They're strong in defence. They're quick to go forwards. Don't score a huge amount of goals, but they're still entertaining. It struck me that you know Scott Parker, Fulham, Roy Hodgson, Fulham. They've got a relationship. Roy staying on as some kind of mentor to Scott, but but there again, you don't know somebody. The, the, the Premier League's littered with managers that have done well in the Championship and then haven't managed to do it in, with with gnarly old Premier League squads. So again, whoever comes in as manager, you're you're taking a risk, and I, I suspect that Steve Parrish's fingers were so badly burnt by the Frank de Boer debacle that we won't bring anyone in that's radically different to Roy. I mean, I, I think you're probably looking at a Sean Dyche type or you're looking at a manager, a David Moyes type even. You look at somebody with experience in the Premier League, I'd, I'd be amazed if, if, if Roy were to go. And I think if Roy were to go soon, it'd be his choice and not and not the club's, to be perfectly honest. Because at, at the end of the season, if it, if it turns out we win one of the games, if we end up finishing 12th in the Premier League, we'll all be going... Actually, maybe we got a bit carried away after the, the mm-hmm. Villa game because it was such a bad game. Maybe we got a bit carried away after the Leicester game and the Burnley game, but you know, still, it might be that when you come to judge the season overall, and as Dominic keeps saying, it, it's two seasons in a, in a sense. It's, it's so these are so strange circumstances. It, it it does seem harsh to judge any manager on on these particular circumstances, and and I, which is why my instinct is that he will un- undoubtedly start as manager of the club next season hopefully with with a few changes ringed well this is the thing Dom I remember last season there was a couple of games we lost to Brighton away we lost to West Ham away and there may have been one more we were very poor and everyone was starting to get a bit twitchy Mm. and of course Roy stayed and we ended up having a very good end of the season everyone forgot about that and Kevin's absolutely right with Roy in charge you are pretty much I mean nothing in life is guaranteed but you're pretty much guaranteed survival it might not be the football to some people's tastes, although I, I think at times when the pressure's off, they actually do play some quite nice stuff. Um, and there'll be issues with it. But if you get anyone else in, I mean, even if it's a Sean Dyche, once you change a manager and you lose someone like Roy, it is going to be a gamble. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, Dyche is probably the closest you've got to yeah, to a, a sort, of, sort of similar... Uh, he will not guarantee safety, but he, he's likely to steer you there. But I'd, for, for all of those people saying oh, we want expansive football, we want a more attractive football, like, you, why would why would you want Sean Dyche yeah. in in that scenario? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's I don't know. I mean, I, and I actually I know it doesn't it hasn't clicked very often of late, if at all, really. Bits of the the Chelsea match, but um, accepted. But there has been there have been times over Hodgson's tenure. Which have, when periods have been fraught, let me wrong. We we all know the scenario that he took over in, and how we were playing catch up then. But the second season wasn't great up to Christmas. I mean, up until the City win, really, it was it was fairly patchy. There weren't very many victories up until sort of the end of mid December. But there were also some some excellent attacking performances. I, my mind goes back to when he had a midfield of Kabay and Loftus Cheek, yeah. and with dismantling Leicester City yeah, five yeah. nil. Or, I mean, all the, the, you know, that goal fest against Bournemouth on the final day last season. I mean, these are late on, but that's largely because Palace have had to establish their safety before they can be expansive. Um, the frustration this time is around is we were, we, were just, <laughs> we were just getting safe when coronavirus struck. Um, so, 
and then we, we're, we're in this weird scenario where you're having a long, a long period off and then you've got so many games jammed into, so many difficult games jammed into a short period of time and, and, and we haven't been able to be expansive because, because of the fitness and the, and, the, and the mental fatigue and the fact that it's also... <coughs> it just vindicates your argument though, Dom. You mentioned the times we play well. You mentioned Kabai. You mentioned Loftus-Cheek. You, you, you yeah, can mention you can put back Shui in yeah. as well. It's not yeah. rocket science, is it? The better the player we have in the team, the better we tend to play. You know? Absolutely. I, I, I go back... You could have, you could have said... When, I mean, somebody asked me this morning, what, how did I feel on the, the, the day the, the transfer window closed in September? And I think back then I was probably, like a lot of people, I thought, well, we've probably got enough to get through this season. We haven't had a great window, no, but, you know, we'll probably, probably be okay. I felt worse on February the 1st when, when the window closed and we hadn't strengthened mm. at all. And, and all the deficiencies that were very, very obvious throughout the first half of the season hadn't been corrected, apart from Tosin coming in. But then... It says a lot that Tyson comes in with an insurance policy that we don't have to pay him his wage when he when his knee inevitably goes. Oh, what his knee's gone! I mean, it's it's it was one of those, and and I felt I felt at that point, just get them over the line, just get them over the line somehow. However you do it, just get them over the line because I don't want to, I don't want to be playing and watching Championship football with Palace. I, I've I've done three games of Championship football since 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 uh, lockdown, and my God, the quality is appalling. <laughs> we think we got it bad. I mean, God, I wouldn't watch the promotion. A, t- a team that at the time were, were challenging for promotion, and they were playing at Luton, and they were, Preston North End were dreadful to watch. It's not... You know, I, we, I think Can we you tell Sky that because according to them, it's the most exciting league in the world. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong; it's very exciting because it's so unpredictable. But my word, I mean, dear me! Well, it's a I mean, hard. It's a it's it's a very hard league to get back out of, and so many teams. Yeah, have gone look at the bottom eight of the, yeah. the championship. You've got three promoted from League One, and the rest of them all well, have been in, in, benefiting from parachute In that payments. theme, Enders. I mean, um, yeah. Kevin mentioned Charlton there. We've had a question from Neil Porter. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. And he says, "Are we the new Stoke City?" <laughs> wages and ages for squad way too high tactics all about defending without scoring losing ground on lesser teams with greater ambition and we had another question from someone else saying I'm slightly worried we might become the new Stoke so do, do you share that worry as well? I share I am I'm worried but I'm also I think it's um, it's it's what it goes back to what we are talking about in the first part of the pod it's, it's about the lack of squad Really, I think I think Roy Roy has proved himself as a manager. You know, uh, as we pointed out, I think it was Dom pointed out. You know, if it hadn't been for Roy, we, we, we wouldn't even be in this league. You know, we wouldn't be in this league now. And Roy works well when and some great performances. Again, Dom mentioned Loftus Cheek and these players. I just I just think we 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 just got to we just got to buy some players. I just think we've got to start we've got to start. We have to start changing things almost on the pitch rather than behind the scenes. I don't know. Is that a weird thing to say? I just think there's, yeah. there's just things. I don't think Roy is a terrible manager. He's not going to be around for much longer because he, he's old and he wants to retire, and that's absolutely fine. I think he will be there next season. Roy is a good manager with, with what he's given. He's, he's not been given the resources to buy the players that he wants, and the players he has been given, like your Max Myers, who we spoke about in the last part, aren't, aren't, aren't in his plans. And they, and they never have been and never will be. Now, does that mean that you give Roy more um, more say in who we buy and who we don't buy? I don't think, I don't, I, I don't know. Yes, I think Roy is coming to the end of his time, but I don't think the end of his time is right now. 
I think we need him for the beginning of next season. I don't want us to go in at the end of this weird little mini season we've had for the last few weeks on the back of five, six, seven, eight defeats or whatever with a short a short summer and then go into the next season and just be in complete disarray, which is what could happen. I just think we just need to, I think we need some stability. He's got to stay, but he's got to be given some resources. The argument, for those people who really don't like Roy, and there are many at Palace, the the two sets of supporters who really don't like him, because he's respected all over the world of football, but the two sets of supporters who really don't like him are Liverpool fans and England fans. Because you could argue that the two opportunities where he did have really good players it wasn't a classic Liverpool yeah. team by any means but you could argue that when he did have good players he still didn't wasn't able to get the best out of them you could argue that Roy's strength is is keeping moderate players in in the division so it, it, it again right it, it's a circular argument isn't it because if, if you're, if yeah, you're pro yeah. Roy we'll keep, we'll keep saying that he's keeping the poor squad up if you're against him you'll keep arguing that we need, it's his fault we haven't got new players in so well, look, just a last couple of questions and on that, um, on the age of the squad thing, which I know people are worried about. Terry Grabowskis. Hi, Terry. Hey, Terry. I said, Hi, Terry. when does the panel think that the average age for the FYP podcast <laughs> will mirror the problems that our squad is showing? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you're yeah, doing a lot of work, JD, on this one. I, yeah, you're, I you're, am dra- indeed. you're dragging it down a little bit this week. Really, we need to get Chloe back on. Chloe's, Chloe really drags it down. We need to get Travis back on. That's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, finally, then, even, Travis, Dave... even Travis is shaving now. So I mean, it's you know... yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, David Cousins. Hi, David. Is our last question. He Hi, says, David. "Will my dream come true?" Whoa. I dreamt that Roy brought himself on as a sub with 10 minutes to go <laughs> and scored a last-minute winning bullet header against Man United and the entire team bundled him. It was magical. Well, I don't think they should be bundling a man of his age, but it's uh, the, no, the short answer to that is no, it won't. <laughs> uh, and if he, if he does, it wouldn't be allowed. It'd be, it wouldn't even, VAR wouldn't even get that one wrong. There's a bloke in a suit just coming here and... You, you are, can't see us winning a corner, right? That's true, or to, yeah. <laughs> how dare you crush David's dream uh, okay right thanks for your questions um, we're going to take a break there and after the break we're going to preview that game against Man United uh, which is only three days away on Thursday Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. hey. Right. As soon as one game is done, another one you is You said upon that us. just like a really cross supply teacher then. <laughs> right. Let's do this. Come on. I think you know, Kevin, I would be a terrible teacher. <laughs> you would you be an awful teacher. I barely have authority over three men, let alone a classroom full of 30 children. Um, oh, that would be awful. Um, <laughs> so, May United on Thursday. Uh, 
is, I mean, Kevin, I mean, it's typical. The, the four main United are in at the moment, they are obviously absolutely smashing it, and, and it's going to be a very difficult <laughs> game. All their players playing very well. We've got a couple of questions. I'll go for this one first from Battle Johnny. Hi, Battle. It says, will Roy pick the same 11 for the United game? Uh, no, because Benteke is yeah. suspended. I think he would have done. It, 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 comes back, it comes back to Don's point as well. It's like, I want to see Man United coming to Palace every week. I, I don't want to see Luton coming to Sellers Park again. I want to see Man United and Liverpool and Man City. And under normal circumstances, even if I'd be worried about the result, I'd still be looking forward to seeing seeing them play. Wan-Bissaka getting a massive response from Palace fans. I think this is a game where you can inevitably put your money on Wan-Bissaka scoring his first <laughs> Premier League goal. I, all, all, it's, it's such a cliche that I'm almost hesitant to say it, but all you want to see is a reaction. Yeah, We got a reaction t- 20 minutes into the Chelsea game. We suddenly looked like a better team than lo- that lost to Leicester. You just want to see a bit of energy, a bit of pace. Hopefully, Man United will will drag them up to make them do it. You, I, I worry about the mobility of their their front three, uh, to be honest, and their and their pace. But yeah, they're a team. That, I mean, they're a big side, Man United, but they're not that physical. So it could be that as against Chelsea, they allow us a bit more leeway and a bit more freedom to play football. But I just want to see us again look like we want to win the game. That's all. That's all we ask, essentially. Um, Dom, obviously we did beat Man United uh, at Old Trafford uh, what felt like about 10 years ago, um, earlier in the season. <laughs> it was a different Man United team then. It was a different Palace team in a way. How do we go about getting a result from Man United, especially given their current form? Put them up in a hotel the night before and give them lasagna? I don't know. <laughs> 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 Honestly, it's, um, this, this is properly daunting, this one. Um Having a look at the... So the United team that played against us had Jesse Lingard in it, had Daniel James who came off the bench the other night. Other than that, it's not that difficult, diff, different, but the, the, the big difference is the fellow that's now yeah. absolutely dominating midfield and yeah. Fernandez looks an absolute... He's class, absolute yeah. class. Um, obviously, we're recording this before they they lose embarrassingly 1-0 at home to Southampton, but <laughs> um, I, I agree with Kev. I, I don't know how you... I don't know how you confront that that front three, Greenwood, Rashford and Martial. Al Trafford, we were all worried about James's pace. He's not even getting yeah, yeah. game time anymore. Yeah, yeah. They've got so much going for them. It's 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 frightening. But, I, I, yeah, you just want a response. I mean, you can go in. That's, that's a game that if they put the effort in and we, and we you know, we, 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 we push them as hard as we possibly can, even with the resources we've got. Well, presumably, it'll be Ayu up front on his own, and 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 Townsend and Wilfred are desperately sort of tracking back and flooding midfield, etc. But I mean, I don't even know whether MacArthur's going to be fit for this one. No. In which case, you might see a read about in there, and you might get a bit more mobility at the midfield. But no, this will be this will be the game when he picks Mayer to Mark Pogba. <laughs> basically, you, you stick with Pogba, do a man marking job on Pogba, pick him up, pick him up at corners, be great. Pogba's like, why is the mascot following me around the pitch? Yeah. <laughs> um, James, there is some slightly yeah. good news for Palace fans, and that is um, that I have got okay. three main United players in my fantasy team. That's okay, good news. Um, that's good, that's good news for you. Fantasy football. Um, are, we, are you expecting Townsend to, to, to be the... I mean, we've said before we don't really have many options, but I, it probably will be yeah, Townsend and Wilf, won't it? Yeah, yeah I, I would have thought so, yeah. I'd be surprised if it's not. But, you know, it's just, I, I could only agree with the other two. It's, you know, I'm not expecting us to win. 
Um, I'm not even expecting a draw. I just, I just, I, I just want to see a performance. I just want to see, I want to see them. I, it's, it's the old footballing cliche. I just want them to be proud of the shirt they're wearing yeah. and mm. just to put in a performance. And that's and that, that. That's all as a fan. We're so disillusioned yesterday after the game. I mean, you know, loads of people did watch the end of the game, just, just bereft and just like fed up, just everything. I, I don't want to feel. I want to feel how I did after the Chelsea game. And at least, at least we're putting in something. Yeah. And, and there's something to work from. There's something to work towards. Mm. You know what I mean? I know it's. I know football's all about results, but sometimes it's not about results. It's about it's about a collective thing where the clubs pulling its socks up together and going, right, come on, this is this is this is the game that we could potentially lose by a lot of goals. And let's be honest. Um, and let's just hope we don't. Can I just offer just just a bit of context as well on the whole? I know we've done a lot on recruitment today, and it's and and said that we need to see evidence of strengthening. Transfer window doesn't actually open for another two weeks, so if the press isn't full of Palace are buying so and so, Palace, it's, it's that's nothing to get people panicked. Mm. We're, we're we're not going to be announcing things for yeah. for a long time yet. So I think we just need to try and. Stay ra- as rational as we possibly can. Until two hours before the window closes when they announce one signing. Yeah. Dom's, Sorry, asking, Dom's asking football fans to be rational. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. In print or not in print. We were just heading, we were just heading towards a really nice level-headed end of the podcast um, no that's it those are good points and I think James is right If we, even if we lose 2 or 3 nil, but we see a decent performance like against the Chelsea team I think that will give fans a boost and, and that's all we kind of ask for at times we're not that demanding really um Right, and that's it. Do you know what? I think that's a good point that to it? end the podcast. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Has, has that been cathartic in a way, lads, to talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to spend time with you all. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's great. for another haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it on Friday, Tom. <laughs> uh, right, we will be back on Friday with another main podcast. Uh, and patrons will get a post-match podcast from me, Celsius, and Rob as well. So a lot of content happening at the moment. Uh, and that's it. Enjoy the next few days. Let's see what happens on Thursday night. And yeah. uh, thanks to Dom for coming back on the podcast. Thank you, Dom. Always me. good Thank to you. have you on. Uh, James and Kevin, I, I just... I can't live Pleasure. I can't live without you. <laughs> oh, <Jordan> Bennett. <laughs> Bye. See you later guys. Bye. Bye. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.